Welcome to WDFG, Dear Final Girl Radio, the advice and horror podcast where life problems have an answer. Now here are your hosts, Lori and Tamara. Oh, hello, Final Girl. Hello, Final Girl. How are you this fine evening? Oh, goodness. This time change is getting to me. It's already been, what, almost two weeks and I'm, I don't think I've, quite uh adjusted to it yet uh, well it's it's a shame that this is audio because uh, only audio <laughs> because i would not never guess either trouble difficulty adjusting to it because you look amazing <laughs> thank you that's the ring light if i turned off the ring light then you could see how old i <laughs> Still amazing. Still amazing. Oh, thank you. Mm. Uh, well, you look amazing too. I I see that you've got the uh, the the long COVID hair. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I didn't mean to have it. It's like I went in just to get my bangs trimmed, mm-hmm. and had completely really forgotten about the fact that my hairdresser is about to have a baby oh um and therefore will not be available which good for her her baby is nancy's baby greater than my hair that's that's the that's the proper pecking order right there yeah 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 Um, Yeah. but i got a I got a plan b so i might have to get a trim because i don't really i don't really like having this much hair (laughs) i i mean well you do have a lot of very thick hair but i like it this this length it's been a very long time since i've seen it this length Mm -hmm. it's maybe the longest i've seen it in five years gosh Five years, Lori. That's how long we've known each other. I can't believe it. I can, I just <laughs> time really does fly. Time yeah. really does fly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's been well. You know, I think things have just. I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting used to this new. Uh, Blech. Like my house my family, my, um, even my work is like really good. And I feel really great during most of the day, but then it's like, oh, here we go. You know, the, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) um, the holiday season's coming up. I always feel like the holiday season starts right at daylight savings time because when it starts getting dark, dark when I come home from work, I'm like, oh, oh no, here we go. Yep. Time to be shut in and on Amazon and buying a bunch of presents that are not really necessary. (laughs) Nobody needs. Maybe nobody even wants them. Um, I, I'm half convinced of that. I really, I really am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nobody wants them, nobody needs them. Yeah, nobody wants them, nobody needs them. Yeah. Sorry, just sorry, sorry if we're stepping on anybody's, you know, deeply held Christmas family traditions. I wish I, I wish I felt that way about it. Um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, I wish I could, I wish I could get into it, but I just. It just doesn't excite me. 
Yeah, there. You know, when I go to my parents' house or I go to Max's parents' house, like when we visit family, then I start to get a little bit more excited about it. But you know, when it's just us here, maybe with the kids this year, like Sebastian's old enough where he like is can be excited about um, presents and stuff. That'll so. be cool. Like that. That will be cool. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be super interested in the boxes and not really the things. Yeah. Unless, so my mom told me like two months ago that she knew what she was going to get Sebastian for Christmas. She knew. So, you know, the little um, Fisher Price cozy coop, the little red and yellow car that so many kids have that you can like Fred oh. Flintstone around in it. Yeah. <laughs> Flintstone around. Yeah. God, I love that. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, they make one of those that's like a pickup truck that you can have a trailer behind. So that's what she, <laughs> and I was like, great, cool mom, you know, great idea. But, you know, whatever happened to just, like, a wagon? You know? <laughs> but, okay, you know. I think... That is, that is pretty, like, like, hey, let's, 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 uh, let's teach him to, uh, carry around, uh, all, all their stuff at an early age. I love your mom. I adore your mother. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm <laughs> trying to, I'm not trying to be negative. Listen. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know you could get the trailer with that stuff. I don't know. I like. I'm all for teaching kids how to do, you know, life by, you know. Yes, we sweep the floor every night because it's fun. Uh huh. Yeah, putting the dishes in the dishwasher is so much fun because that's what they see of us. That's what they think that we like to do, but. All right. Well, this is not parenting your toddler podcast. This is dear final girl. <laughs> right. We're parenting our inner toddlers. Though. Oh. That's what we do. <laughs> that is... We do here. We help people parent their inner toddler. <laughs> when their inner toddler sits down on the floor and just starts screaming. Mine too. I think mine is just is catatonic right now. He's and I called my inner toddler he. That's interesting. Mm. So my inner toddler, he Unpack is sitting that. in the corner rocking himself right now. <laughs> That's what he's doing. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but you know what's so cool about this episode? What's that? We have a letter. Oh, yay! <laughs> Yes. Now, I know you, it's like, man, I am just like leaving her hanging out there. She has no idea where I'm going to go. No, that's all right. We're both very excited because we love, we love when people send us letters. And we have a really great one this week. Yay. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about this. So, um, you know, if this is your first time listening to Dear Final Girl, we are an advice and horror podcast. Uh, we read your letters and then we talk about them in, uh, through horror movies and we 
maybe give advice, <laughs> maybe give bad yeah. advice. <laughs> it's a lot of self-therapy that we hope is beneficial to others. Right. That's um, a good point. But I, do, well, I mean, I, I do love getting letters. I know we both do because it is nice to feel like maybe, maybe we can help. Maybe we can offer something helpful. Right. So with, in our, with the, in our non-professional opinion, Let's, Absolutely. Let's be clear. We are, <laughs> we are not certified professionals. No. We just <clears throat> we just want to try to help you. <laughs> we just play them on your podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Lori, yeah, let's let's read that letter. Go for it. Okay. So, um this uh this is from an anonymous sender, so this is from a Dear final girl, actually right in our very hometown of Nashville, Tennessee. Yay. And she says, if my job was a was a pie that one could eat, one slice, maybe two, would be amazing. The other six or seven would give me food poisoning. <laughs> I am working hard, planning my way out of this career job vocation torture chamber Ooh. with some perks like a gorgeous beam of morning sunlight through the bars of my cell or the rare but cathartic meal shoved through the food hole of my door. I, I food hole is my new favorite. <laughs> yeah. But my escape is not coming fast enough. I feel the breaking point coming, ready or not. Mm. So, yeah. So I, I am sure that all of us, can or do resonate with, <laughs> with that. Have, have or do. Right. Have or do resonate with that. Um, and so, Tamara, you want to tell the kids at home the movie that we chose as a result of this letter? Yeah, we chose uh, the quintessential uh, escape room movie, Saw, for this. Yes. And I didn't look up when it was... It had to have been early 2000s, right? Yeah, I think so. I th This viewing, for me, this viewing of Saw was the second time I've seen it, and the first time was in the theater. Right. Um, and I, and I, I don't even think I've seen any of the sequels. I mean, I just, half of our voluminous uh, listener, listener, uh, listener audience probably just dropped because... <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to realize that, that I'm not, I'm not a, a sequel, uh, a sequel knowledgeable. I'm not uh, a sequel knowledgeable. Well, neither am I. Um, so this was released in 2004. They released oh. a Saw movie every year through 2010. So there's seven of those, <laughs> which like. That was my prime going out. Like I graduated from college in 2004. So that was my prime, like going out and getting hammered after, uh, or on the weekends. I wasn't about to go see a horror movie in the theaters. You know, that, that $15 could buy three to five beers. So. <laughs> and I think Catching that was probably up. about, all I was doing at that point is going out to movies and seeing more films. <laughs> um, and then um, there's Jigsaw that was released in 2017, and I don't. I'm guessing that's about 
the um, the antagonist of all of these. Yes, good. I you know, good choice. Good choice of words because I don't know. I don't know what his method continues to be in the other films. Um, but in the first film, he himself doesn't actually kill anyone. Right. <clears throat> so he is antagonist, not killer, but he's like, he's like a Manson style killer. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to kill you myself, but I'm going to get other people to do it. Right. Charles Manson, to be clear, right? Yeah. Not Marilyn. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, not that we're aware of. Right. <laughs> So I think Jigsaw would be considered, in today's terminology, an influencer. Huh. <laughs> Almost. He is, he is an influencer. Yes, yes. And, like, he has a direct influence on these people. Um, okay, so really quick. Um, we said we weren't really going to do too much of a plot summary, but... Um, the main plot line is Carrie Elways and this guy, other guy. So Carrie Elways is a guy named Larry, doctor, orthopedic Dr. surgeon. Dr. Larry Gordon, Dr. Yeah. La- Lawrence Gordon. Lawrence Gordon. Oh, he's like a, he's some, he's like a brain surgeon. I don't know. He's, anyways. Um, and then Adam, whose last name we don't know. Um, and then this guy, Adam. And they wake up in a room and uh, they're locked in the room, chained to pipes on opposite sides of the room. And there's a dead man who apparently um, uh, shot himself in the head, laying on the floor in between them. So. Yes. Yes. And so... um... Good choice, good choice of a film for um, for someone who feels very, very trapped yeah. by their by their not only job but you know she referred to it as you know job, work, vocation, mm-hmm. um, and I know we you know I, is there a human alive who has not. <laughs> has not, has not felt that. Um, and when, when it gets to the point where it's moved from kind of like dissatisfaction to, to unhappiness, to truly feeling like you, you're in a room chained to a pipe and you can't get out. And and that's what, that's what you're, that's that's how you spend at least out at least eight hours of your day, committing your mind, your, you know, your energy, everything that you, that you're giving it to something that is 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 not giving back to you for for whatever reason or reasons. Right, and I think that what's really um, kind of drives to the heart of this is it's not just as far as saw the movie, it's not just these guys having to escape, right? It, it would be one thing if it was like, there's some way that you can escape here. It's either, or if you don't kill the other person in the room, 
you cannot get out. Right. So this, just these, these impot, when you only have bad choices, when yeah. you only have bad choices to choose from. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, it can feel if you, if you stay in a job for a really long time, if you stay in a job for any length of time, when you are already in that trapped mm-hmm. feeling state, um, it can feel like your choices diminish by the day and it can feel like maybe the only choices you have are they're they're not maybe they're not the best ones that you would make because you're in that pressure cooker mm-hmm. and you just want to get out you just want to get out and it's not it's it's not the ideal environment for making for for planning the next step you know it's really right. hard <laughs> it's right. really hard when you're in that place yeah, and I, um, I've had this a couple of different times where I've been in either a work situation or um, a job or or something where it was like, if you quit now, if you walk out, you're not going to have the money to pay your bills in a week, a day, you know however long um but if you stay you're going to be miserable and the um that's that's an impossible choice for a lot of people and also what's so difficult about that too is that without the safety net of savings or somebody else who's able to kind of help support you for a little while um the mental and emotional stress of staying in that job can also make it very difficult for you to find the next one because you are so constantly just trying to stay alive that you don't have any anything left over and sometimes the jobs can beat you down so much that thinking about writing that cover letter where you say I'm the person for this job and you should hire me because I'm amazing. Sounds like, you know, like cutting off your own foot. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. That's <laughs> wonderful. It can feel like cutting off your own foot. It can feel like getting electrocuted on the floor mm-hmm. while you're chained and you can't get up. <laughs> Yes, all all uh, all uh, um, intentional references to the uh, movie at hand. So, can I can I just be real nitpicky for a second? Yes, please. They say electrocuted several times in the movie, and isn't electrocution death by electric shock? I'm like, I feel like I'm being. Like, yes, technically correct. <laughs> yes, Virginia. There is, a, there is an English major. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are. 
You are correct, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm not, I'm not correcting you, but you bring up the fact that Adam and this doctor, this surgeon, Larry Gordon, at one point says, I'm electrocuted. He electrocuted me. And I'm like, you didn't electrocute. You should know better, sir. That's right. Where is the science in that statement? <laughs> it's something that could be said very often in our present time. Yeah. <laughs> Show me the Boy. science. Show me the science. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, this is, this movie, I had to, I had to take it in two segments. I had to do, I did the same thing. Yeah. I had to do like the first hour and then come back for the last hour and a half or excuse me, last half hour. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point when they started messing with Gordon's wife and kids and there was a guy in his daughter's bedroom and I was like, okay, she's still safe. I'm going to pause it now because I'm going to have to leave uh, and go feed my daughter in just a moment and be in her bedroom. And I'm facing that uh, um, closet and I don't, I just don't want to um, be thinking about this. Of course I was thinking about it the whole time. So yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it's so funny because I feel like the way I watch horror movies these days, no matter what it is or what the reason, mm-hmm. I feel like I, I watch I watch them in two sessions. I don't know. And I'm like, has my level of attention gotten so bad that I can't make it through an hour and a half movie but I, I don't I don't want to say that, right? <laughs> I'm not ready to admit that. <laughs> um, but I, I find myself doing the same thing and I but I, I part of it too is it does help me appreciate and get a little more deeply into the story like during those mm-hmm. segments, you know, during those segments of time. Um, yeah. And you know, I mean the the real, you know, it's not it's not like a, at an hour that you need a break from the gore because there's not, I mean, there, there's some early scenes where we're getting introduced. So we've, we've got these two men in this room mm-hmm. and you know, they're beginning to talk. They're beginning to try to <clears throat> talk about their situation. Um, and Carrie Elwes says, I think I might know, you know, who did this. Right. And he's referring to this killer that the police have not caught and it's like a, it, you know, it kind of reminded me of the movie Seven. It's sort of like this morality yes. killer. Yes, yeah. we were talking about that. Yeah. And so there are, there's, there's, there's some, there's a little bit of gore in the beginning where they show some of the past, some of the past victims, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, one of the past victims had attempted suicide by by cutting his wrists. And then um, Jigsaw um, puts him in a situation where um, the only he's he's essentially trapped in barbed wire, and the only way he can live is to cut himself by trying to escape right. the, this barbed wire. But the real gore, you know, doesn't doesn't come. I think if I recall toward the end when Carrie Elwes. Uh, chooses to saw off his own foot yeah. um, 
to get to get out to get out yeah i mean there there was some like gross out stuff like um when adam had to dig in the toilet and then we yes. got Chekhov's saw there in like the very beginning you know that's probably 15 minutes into the movie that we get the saws and, it's, and Adam almost instantly breaks his and uh, Larry Gordon does not. And I'm saying Larry Gordon because I can never pronounce Carrie Elwes. Is that? Carrie El. I've always said Elwes. Yeah, Carrie Elwes. Yeah, that's probably better than uh, my pronunciation. Um, he was, I have a theory about Carrie Elwes. Can I share it? Yes. I, I developed it while watching this movie. Oh, go on. I cannot stop looking at him and listening to him and trying to figure out what kind of acting that he's trying to do. <laughs> and so he's always been, it kind of, he's just a very, um, he's a very unique, unique actor. And I mm-hmm. can't, I just can't quite figure him out, but I had this epiphany that he should get himself a role like Keanu Reeves did in The Matrix, mm. where all that kind of flatness, mm-hmm. all that kind of flatness and that non-emoting mm-hmm. and that almost kind of um, veneer of a of a of a presence. It's like can be leveraged in the appropriate role and I realize people are probably going to hate on me for saying that about Keanu Reeves but for years it was sort of like is this guy really even a good actor you know (laughs) and I think I think you know I think Matrix kind of turned it around and then I think he settled into this yeah. His Keanu-ness, and then everybody loved it. Right. Know? I've never seen any of the John Wick movies, but that's what I've heard is, like, his his real wheelhouse. Like, Point Break, it, like, they're both kind of... Uh, like, he had that California dude sort of thing going, right, between Bill and Ted's and Point Break. And then mm-hmm. he kind of took that tone down the California ugh-ness. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Yes. I was in like three plays as a child. No, and I wonder though if that's like if that's like a classically trained theater thing that Carrie Elwes is doing where that doesn't transfer um over to the um doesn't transfer over to uh the screen like yeah. uh, screen actors have to be very subtle and emotive in small ways on their face and mm-hmm. then the um theater actors would be bigger emotions and bigger reactions um, and I'm wondering if it's like he was taught to be big and then to be on film, he had to go small again and then they just went too far. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think it worked. I think it worked. It worked for this role mm-hmm. because his, his 
character to me felt so plastic. He even looked plastic. Yes. There was just a there was just a plastic look about him, kind of a which you know we learn a little bit more about him. He's kind of a you know a smarmy guy. Uh-huh. He's 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 at, at the very least emotionally unfaithful to his wife. Yeah. It it seemed like they were saying he had gone for this uh for this hookup with one of his basically one of the medical residents where he, in the hospital where he's the doctor. Right. And but it it seemed like maybe that was their first meetup and it, they didn't do anything because in the middle of it um they ba- he basically gets the the the, the phone in the seedy hotel room rings. And is that when he learns that, is that when he learns that his wife and daughter have been kidnapped? No, they, I wrote that down. He, um, whoever calls him says to him, I know what you're doing, doctor. And then he says, oh no, I gotta go. Um, and then he runs out of there and then he he gets abducted in the parking lot uh right. you know what's and adam oh yeah oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. well yeah and adam takes his picture in the parking lot right before he gets abducted and so uh dr gordon says well you were there you saw and adam's like no i took the picture and left I had to go. Um, and so we, yeah, we eventually learn <clears throat> that these two people um, who are locked in this room, one of them definitely knows the other. So Adam has been hired to basically tail Dr. Gordon, take pictures of him. Mm-hmm. The person who's hired him to do that is um, um, a retired police detective who had investigated um the um some of the earlier some of the earlier murders mm-hmm. that we alluded to just a moment ago yeah the and earliest jigsaw murders right? yeah dr gordon had always been one of his one of his suspects right so we find out we find out that 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 adam adam is already familiar with dr gordon so kind of brings me back to to Thinking, thinking about the letter, thinking about, you know, what are the, what are the major contributing factors with job satisfaction? <laughs> is, is the people that you work with or, mm-hmm. or for, mm-hmm. um, the relationships with people, the degree of trust, um, how people do or do not collaborate, mm-hmm. how, how they do or do not solve problems together. And that, that can be, I think a lot of, well, I don't know. I don't have statistics on this, but you know, a lot of times it can be, it's not, it's not the work itself. It's, it's the interpersonal stuff right? that will make you go, you know what? I, I can't, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you can put up with a lot of stuff that is frustrating or difficult or whatever if you can shut the door on it at the end of the day but 
at least for me, when the people around me aren't great, that is what follows me home. Um, just like people being dumb. Um, <laughs> it follows you home like a serial killer down a dark alley <sighs> at night. It's nice. a stalker. It's a stalking presence. It's yeah. a dark presence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a dark presence. Like a like a um like a dead man in the center of the room. Yes. Mm. That was you know <laughs> I gotta say great twist at the end. You know, this is this is like most of the movie I was sitting here thinking, this really sucks. Like, right. Like, I, I think I liked it more when I first when I first saw it. I kept, just kept thinking, this is just really not that good <laughs> movie. It felt like it was just trying really hard to be something. Uh-huh. But I'm telling you, it packed a punch at the end. Oh my gosh, the twists and turns were amazing, and I had forgotten. I had forgotten all that stuff. I had forgotten all of it from when from when I first saw it. Well, when I I was trying to like when we talked about this, um, this is actually a movie that my husband owns, which is like I was like, why do you own this? He said, I honestly have no idea how it ended up in my uh, DVDs <laughs> or whatever. Like, okay, sure, this is your favorite movie, right? But after. <laughs> You know, I, I couldn't really remember how it ended. And then it was seeing the room when the lights come on at the beginning of the movie and seeing the dead guy in the center of the room. Um, and then I was like, oh, right. Okay. Now I remember. Um, and what... Okay. What's really interesting to me about this is that the the game that Jigsaw is playing where they have to decide whether to kill one another in order to escape or everybody dies together. But then there's are also the um Dr. Gordon's family who is being held hostage by this guy Zepp who worked at the hospital with Dr. Gordon. And we kind of see him like standing ominously in a doorway at one point, um, giving the name of the inoperable brain tumor guy that Dr. Gordon is talking to the students. There's a lot going on in like, a very few scenes. There's a few scenes that carry a lot of weight in this. And that's one of them is that where we see, okay, Dr. Gordon's a, um, Larry is a doctor. He's, uh, making eyes at this student. Uh, there's Zepp that works at the hospital. There's this guy, John, who has the brain tumor. So we get a whole bunch happening right there. And then it all comes up later when we're kind of unraveling the story or Dr. Gordon's figuring everything out. Um, yeah. but, but I think as, as far as it goes with the letter, the fact that 
Dr. Gordon's in the room. Larry's in the room. He's fighting it out. And he's trying to get safe. But then it's also, like, the game is also affecting his wife and his daughter. And it's not just, like, yeah, this is life or death. If he doesn't get out of there, his wife and daughter may not be alive. Um, and so, it, like, kudos to the writers and directors of this movie for... Um, you know, building in the tension. But that's a lot of what it feels like when you're trapped in a situation that you want to get out of. Like, if I can't get out of this, everything's over. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I think quite frequently <clears throat> about, there, there's so many, there's so many, um, different points in this plot where the perspectives change, mm -hmm. the relationships between the characters change, how they see one another changes. And I think that's, that's one thing about, about staying in a, staying in a job is that you know after you after you've walked the planet for a while you've been you've been in in you know probably a number of jobs <laughs> and you know the same I think maybe a lot of the same sources of, of dissatisfaction tend to recur right um, and so it really made me think about like how hard it is but how important it is to have as clear a perspective as possible when you're in the situation. Mm -hmm. So that you know that whatever decision you make, whether it's to stay in, whether it's to leave because you got another job or whether it's just to leave, period. Mm -hmm. Were you as clear as you could be um, going into that decision? And were you, were you able to have that kind of global or removed perspective that recognizes seen this before, been here before, um, the, this, this, the, the asshole that's named Steve at this job is going to be named Mary at the next one. Right. You know, it's, 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 there's a, there's a cast of characters, you know, and we're one of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's the hardest that maintaining that kind of perspective, that is, that is one of the most difficult things to do. And that's why I say, I mean, it, it's so much better to leave before, before you feel like you have no choice, but to leave and mm -hmm. you may be leaving and not going into in a better situation, but sometimes you just, I've done it in my career. Mm -hmm. I have done it twice where I have quit a job with nothing lined up. I mean, I gave my two weeks cause you know, I, that's how I roll. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, um, but you know, I've, I've just, I've bailed twice and, um, it's, 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 a. Uh, it's, you know, everything, everything generally works out. I mean, it's worked out. It's worked out. It's yeah. worked out. I was, I'm still here and, you know, 
have gone on to do, you know, have other successes, but it's hard, it's hard to be in that place where you feel like the only option I have is to just get the hell out. Right. Right. And especially, God, I can only imagine that feeling right now during, you know, COVID times where you like that there's already this underlying layer of stress that kind of goes along with everything that you have. And then add on to that, like, you know, our political stability is not exactly where it, where many of us would want it to be. And then, you know, there's just, oh God, you know, the days are getting shorter, so it's going to be winter time. And so like, there's a lot of, just world stress that we're all living in and then like having to deal with something uh, like a daily stress at work on top of that like you really just have to find ways to take care of yourself I'm reading this really good book for work it's called Multipliers by Liz Wiseman. And it's about how, you know, you as a manager can uh, get out of your employees way and make them better. Um, but also if you are um, in a situation where your boss is a micromanager and he, he or she is all over you, um, that you can like one of the ways to deal with that is just turn down the volume like decide that anything under this level of freak out i'm just gonna ignore it you know i'm just not even uh, that one's not even gonna register with me so that you save your emotional level for some like for the things that matter right that is that is one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. I'm definitely going to use that myself. I think that is fantastic because I think that when work is really stressful, it 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 creates it creates its own atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you've got this cloud, this film, and it doesn't feel like something you can. It's it's grown beyond your ability to. To, to break it down, to neutralize it. Right. I think that is such an effective way to just kind of pit, yeah, just take some control. Because mm-hmm. that, that's such a huge part of it is feeling like you're no longer in control. Right. Define for yourself something that will help you manage against a baseline. That is, that is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. And, you know, we were reading this for a book club at work and they were, you know, there was mixed reactions to it, but I think that, um, that's something that's really hard to do, but if you can keep that kind of in your brain, like, you know, when you feel yourself starting to have that same, emotional reaction to something if you can catch yourself and say okay but is this something that I need to drain my energy right now and like if it yeah okay if it's an emergency yeah all right let it drain your energy but if it's not 
and it's just an emergency to somebody else, then, you know, you have the ability to say, this is not my emergency. Yep. Yep. And I think I couldn't help but, <laughs> but think of, you know, the, 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 the clock. Mm-hmm. It brings to mind the clock. Yep. The clock. Um, because, you know, that's introduced, um, you, you know, the two guys are in the room when they're in there, they don't, you know, they can't remember, they have no idea where they are, how they got there. Um, but, um, right away, like they're on a timer, they're Mm -hmm. on a timer by a certain time. Is it that one has to kill the other? Like one of them has to kill the other, whoever it may be. Yeah in order to get out. That's, those are the rules. Like mm-hmm. those are the rules. Um, and I, I, I drew a parallel between a couple of things because I realized when it, when they had until six o'clock mm-hmm. and after all of this stuff that happens between them in this room, they had lost track of time. Like they had yeah. lost track of the fact that they were working against, you know, like a specific deadline, basically. Right. And that there's an enemy bigger than themselves. Sorry, I yes. cut you off. No, no, no. And it made me think about like how many things become distractions to solving the problem. Mm-hmm. And the the um, the other the other the other thing that made me think that in the movie was when we see a flashback of Adam. He's still in his apartment. It's kind of like how the, the same way they did the flashback with Doctor Gordon. It's kind of lead up. How did this person get in this room? Mm-hmm. And he can tell somebody is in his apartment in his apartment and then he hears like this you know maniacal laughing (laughs) and it's this jigsaw doll right um and it's just laughing and laughing and laughing and he's just goes and you know beats the hell out of it with a baseball bat (laughs) and i thought to myself you're solving the immediate stressor this thing that is making this noise Uh uh-huh but right behind that is how the hell did it get there? Yeah. You're, you have a relief or a, re, a, a relief mm-hmm. in addressing the immediate threat, but that's not, that thing is not really the threat. It's something else. It's something bigger. Right. And just, you know, somehow, somehow the power of distraction and how that factors in with our work and what we choose to focus on in terms of our happiness and not, um, I don't know, I haven't, haven't like thought that fully out, but those two things, those two distraction things did hit me in the film. Yeah. Uh, that actually brings up something else that I wrote down because I read, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last, the last time we recorded, because it's been about a month since I read this maybe a little bit more, but I read this book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. Did I mm. mention this to you? But basically, <laughs> you had that look like, oh, maybe? I don't know. Maybe you 
did. Maybe you did. It sounding familiar, yeah. Um, so it, it talks about like how women carry a bunch of emotional weight and how um, that emotional weight between work and home and, you know, just life can cause women to burn out. And they one of the things that they talk about is that when you have the stress response, you have to either do some you have to do something active like fight or flight to burn out those chemicals from your system so exercise that's why exercise feels so good when you're like after you've been stressed out um or uh crying for a lot of women that also like burns out some of those stress chemicals um but this is something you know, it's a way to sort of turn down the the volume on your your personal chemical reaction. Like, and self care is such a buzzword recently, but doing doing physical activity, you know, just walking for thirty minutes or something like that can have the same effect. It can start releasing some of those stress hormones out of your system um according to the women in the book anyways um but that it can that that is like a very important part of self-care is like just getting some exercise and i think that that kind of (sighs) With the movie, one of the things that's so stressful about it is that they're chained and they can't do anything. And so when there needs to be a release of the tension, you know, the tension is building and then we kind of have to like hit a valve or everybody's gonna like, and the viewer is going to overload. Um, Then they like make a little break and they, you know, they get somewhere, they figure out a clue, they, you know, listen to another tape or whatever. And so it's that action that kind of brings them forward. Um, and that made me think of so, so many things. Like I think one of their, one of their, one of the release moments that they had with one another and that this 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 relates very much to the world of work and how everyone is different. Mm-hmm. People process information differently. They communicate differently. There's a scene where Dr. Gordon screams like, "We need to think," and Adam says, "I am thinking," <laughs> and the doctor says, "Then share it." Uh-huh. So. Here's two people who are both very engaged in the act of thinking about how to get out of their situation. One is is verbal about it, right, and the other is processing it internally. Mm-hmm. And hey, I mean, is it, that that's that is another cause of stress and tension at work. Differences in communication, differences in information processing, and all of just the these these just a massive amount of assumptions that we all start making about one another as a result of all these all these expectations, like this just complete motherload of expectations 
about how things should be and how they should go that we are all carrying around with us all the time that bubble up through these through these through these situations right um and it was that kind of okay that ties that ties um to something to something else so this is like this is like a morality killer right yeah this is this he's he's you know <laughs> is it's playing god is playing god mm-hmm. um and it made me and then and then we hear we hear his voice on the tape recorder we hear that we hear the killer's voice <clears throat> And it made me, you know, as, as it pertains to work and how we adapt and kind of, you know, the degree to which we're, we're kind to ourselves or not, just had this, this notion about like the autocratic voice, this Ooh. autocratic voice and, 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 and that, and that's the voice in this film, you know, the person who is going to dispense justice right you know he's the he's the one who's in the position to who thinks he's in the position to dispense justice and decide that just because he's dying and other people aren't necessarily grateful that means you know he needs to teach him a lesson right so how how much does that and with career or with job satisfaction with our responses in inside of work outside of work how much is that autocratic voice about what should and should not be how much is that that is just running all the time that can be a really big part to the, the dissatisfaction yeah and and i think what that brings up a the question of In order to escape this, Gordon and Adam have to play the game in order to escape, but they have to play it better than Jigsaw. And I mean, it's debatable whether they play it better than him because we kind of have that cliffhanger ending um, and I guess if we had seen Saw, Saw's two through seven, we would know whether <laughs> Carrie Elways and uh, this other guy, Adam, uh, did you know, sorry, this is a side note, but, um, Adam is, was, sorry, the character, the actor who played Adam was friends with the director and apparently that's how he got the job. And, oh, okay. James Wan. Yeah, James Wan is the director. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and at the beginning of the movie, I was kind of like, Adam is not a very good actor, but he got better as as it went along. Um, so, anyways, but uh, like that that begs the question, I guess, it do you have to play the game in order to escape? Yes. That that is excellent. So there, there's there's a couple just like key lines in the film. There's one point where Doctor Gordon is is questioning out loud. He says, "How did I get here? I had it all in order. My life was in perfect order. Mm-hmm. And yet, 
he and his wife had this shit relationship. <laughs> <laughs> his life was not in perfect order, mm-hmm. but it takes some other level of shit show. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like another one of the, that's kind of one of really kind of jigsaws his, one of his lessons is appreciating what you have. Right. <laughs> Appreciate, and you know, taken, you know, removed from the fact that he is um, a deranged killer. Um, <laughs> appreciating what is working and things like gratitude, they really can, they really can help because a bad, when you, when you feel trapped in a bad, in a bad work situation or any other kind of situation, you know, it's really easy to become myopic where you just can only see everything is getting filtered in through that lens and it's a lens that can be very distorting. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it just goes back again to the whole perspective thing, like how, how difficult it is to maintain. But I, but I love what you said about like, do you have to play, do you have to play the game? One of the other key, one of the other key lines in the movie is like, there are rules. There are rules. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and so which ones, which ones do we have to follow and which ones can we just let go of? Right. And I, I think that's what what is interesting is that Adam and uh, Larry Gordon, they at least come very close to winning the game by sort of bending the rules. So... And what I'm assuming is that when they turned the lights off is when they sort of planned out this whole end thing. But did Adam know that Gordon was going to shoot him? Um, it, like, did, did he know he was going to shoot him in the shoulder? On Did he, because he came back and attacked Zepp, when Zepp came into the room and he uh, kills Zepp with a toilet cover. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> that is, that is, he, he was a disgruntled in that moment. He was very disgruntled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but it, you know, it. what's interesting to me is that we know that uh, they were scheming together. So, I don't know. I, I think that that kind of lesson is that you have to work together in order to get out and that other people can also play the game with you. The other people can like scheme with you to be able to get out of there and to win. Like if you have somebody who you can talk to without the prying eyes of Jigsaw or Zep knowing what's going on, then you can, um, you might be able to uh, escape. But, okay, so if, sorry, I'm still trying to work out the, the, uh, how this works. Like, 
was it just the cigarette that they were scheming about when they turned the lights off? Or was it the whole ending? Like, we're going to wait until 6 o'clock and then we're going to do this and that. Because... Okay, we're going to spoil it, but Jigsaw's there. He's the dead man on the floor, so he knows what they're going to try to do. So is he just going to let it play out? I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I know there's so much more... There's so much more probably going on than I even noticed, you know, just with this just with this viewing, like, I really couldn't say, <clears throat> you know, I had completely forgotten. I remembered <laughs> from my initial viewing, I remembered Zip. I remembered, uh -huh. and I, but, but I also remember part of it wrong. I thought he was Jigsaw. Right. Um, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute well especially when he got his head bashed in with the toilet lid you know right. now, there's six more there's at least six more movies after this so it can't be him I had just forgotten I had now I mean talk about the bloody elephant in the room Jesus well how did I not remember that how did I not <laughs> how did I not even think about that um but yeah sometimes yeah. I'm I miss the obvious <laughs> well it's funny because Max was watching it with me and he, at the end, he's like, so the big reveal, did you guess it? And I was like, oh, I had seen it before, but never mind. <laughs> but they, they were really good about introducing a, uh, a prop really early in the movie and then you forget about it. Like the toilet, you kind of forget about it. It's there in the corner. You still see it every once in a while, but... You forget about it, and you forget that that lid is there, that big ceramic lid that can be used as a weapon. Um, yeah, it's just like they forgot about the clock and just how... So, you know, going back to the letter, when, you're, when you are really focused on one dimension of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And let's face it, when work has become... A certain level of distressing. Yeah. You are in the survival part of your brain. Mm hmm And, you know, people will say these kinds of things a lot, like, okay, the part of our brain that saved us from saber-toothed tigers or whatever, that shit should not be getting activated at a fucking job. Right, right. But it happens... Happens all the time. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. There are situations that put us in survival mode, and even in a different part of our our nervous system, where information isn't processed the same, can't be processed the same, it starts shutting down those, you know, the critical thinking, the problem solving. Right. And one thing, I mean, one, I guess one of my one of my one of my really probably my last thought is. Sometimes you do just have to walk away. Sometimes mm -hmm. if it if 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 the stress is such that it it is affecting your health, it's affecting your relationships, it's causing, you know, a lot of dysfunction in other areas or 
then yeah, that can be the solution. Yeah. If you're not, if that's not where you are, I mean, the, the secret truly is do a little something every day or every other day. Just do a little something that, that every day, every other day, that is a part of your plan for getting out of that situation mm-hmm. that where you are so miserable. That is, that is, that it's hard, but it can be really meaningful and it can, it can, if you're not already just at the breaking point, it can, it could potentially help you make a better long-term decision about, about how you leave and where you go, what you do. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful. So if that, is that your prescription here? I guess that would be, that would be my prescription. Yes. Is do a little something each day, or I would just say every other day, a few times a week. Mm-hmm. that because when you have a plan, even if you only have part of the plan, you don't have to have the whole plan. Right. You can have a tiny little piece of it. And you, you just have an action that. step. It is, it is, that's magic. That, mm-hmm. that is you taking power back. Mm-hmm. That is you taking power back. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, very similarly, my prescription is going back to that turning down the volume you know, if you can turn down the volume of everything, all of the inputs, right, then you can think a little bit clearer and maybe make a little space for that. Whether that's, you know, if you're in a meeting where you're getting reamed out, you are well, it's okay to say, Thank you for that feedback. I'm going to take it and think about it and let's come back around to it later. You're also allowed to say no. Yeah, you're allowed to say that's that's not acceptable. I literally had that situation at work this week where I did the same thing. It wasn't that that's not acceptable. It was like, thank you for the feedback. Um, that deserves, that deserves, that deserves space. I want to take time to contemplate it and we will come back to it. I literally said, wow, that exact thing. Um, Good for you. I like, I don't know. I'm such a like scrapper sometimes that if I get my back up, then I will be like, I'll either cry or I'll argue and neither of those things are great well i i I do those things too (laughs) i i do i do and i've scrapped at it for so long that it's worn me out Mm -hmm. and the only thing i can do now is something different that doesn't just take every piece of little ounce of juice that i have i don't i don't I don't think I, I don't think I have a lot of scrap. I have a different kind of, it just looks different. Right. <laughs> it just looks different. And it's, it's totally out of necessity. There's like, there, well, I just want to say one more thing. There's a William James talks about, he talks uh, the um, philosopher, William James, it, he wrote this 
awesome essay called The Varieties of Religious Experience. And he talked about transformation. And I think this applies whether it's about religion or not. He talks about the death of a particular process in a person because it just does not work anymore and it cannot work anymore. Hmm. And out of the death of that process that is no longer functional in any way, that's a point of, that's a point of transformation. Hmm. Because at once it no longer serves you, you have to find something new. Exactly. It's a, it's like evolution. It's like, you know what, that particular thing has just, it, it has come to the end of the line. Right. This red feather yeah. is causing us to get killed. And so <laughs> everybody who has the red feather continue to get killed. Everybody who doesn't have the red feather, let's keep going. Yes. Just... So I am like working to pluck all of the red feathers <laughs> out and maybe just like blend a little bit more with my environment. <laughs> I, well, I gotta say I am literally running from things. I'm, I'm just running. Um, but uh, I have been, I have not felt so good so consistently um, really since the last time I was running consistently. Um, and it's, I was listening to a different podcast today and one of the hosts was talking about how she was quitting drinking. And I think anything that you do like that, where you start exercising or you stop drinking or you stop, you know, drowning things in, um, in uh chemicals food gravy yeah yeah gravy um ice cream um yeah that you i think everybody who's done that once or twice like you realize you wake up one day after doing it for a little while and you're like oh oh right i feel good and it, it feels really good to feel good and it's not scary to feel good. And it yeah. doesn't have to be scary. Like that, you know, a lot of times what we're pouring chemicals on is not wanting to be happy because happiness is scary too, so. Yeah, yeah, it's diff it is hard to feel all the feels for sure. <laughs> And, um, and when you're in, when, when, when your, your external circumstances, you know, a job or something else feel like, you know, they're just putting the extra pressure on. It's really hard, but I feel like we, I feel like we came to a lot of, a lot of good, good things today with this episode and, and that it was a really good, really good movie choice. Um, I did, I, I'm always reaching out to my horror friends and yeah. I'm pretty sure that for, for movie recommendations, um, and I'm pretty sure, I think you actually, you, you suggested it. And then my friends, Lee, Lee, one half of the dynamic duo of Nine of the Horror File, 
Um, and then my good friend Lando, who we featured his origin story um, mm-hmm. a while back, um, they had both recommended Saw as well. So thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, Tamara, also, because I think you, you just, you poof, you just came up with that on your own. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was kind of like, do I tell her? Do I, do I say this? Because, like, that's kind of, this is the escape room, <laughs> uh, the escape room story but um also can i just say actual like the game escape rooms nightmare for me i i don't want to do one of those ever me neither me neither no no desire no desire i can barely get out of situations in real life using my wits <laughs> you know I don't want to put myself through that. (laughs) I'm not going to let you talk about my friend Lori like that. Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in an escape room. I don't. (laughs) Mm, mm, mm. No, I don't want to be locked in a room with people, even if it's like jokey locked in a room. That's too close to just like signing yourself up for something to go sideways. Yeah, because then probably like after you get out of there, you're probably going to have an argument with a random person in your life the next day because you're really kind of pissed off <laughs> yeah. about being trapped. And yeah. then so the next day, you're going to show somebody. You're going to give to them. <laughs> Make up for that. <laughs> right. Watch me yeah. saw off my foot. <laughs> right. Oh, do it. All right. Well, this has been wonderful, and I hope it was for our listeners as well. Me too. Me too. So, um... Thank you, Final Girl. I appreciate you. I appreciate you too, Final Girl, and all of the finals out there. We love you, and we look forward to more of your letters. Thank you so much. Yay. Yay. Bye. Hey, Final Girls, Final Boys, and Final Non-Binaries. Tamara and I are honored to be your dear Abbies of Horror, but that's all we are, people struggling just like you. We're not professionals. If you're in crisis, please reach out. We like to promote the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org, phone number 1-800-273-8255. There's an online chat, and they're even on Twitter. Their profile is The Lifeline, and the handle is at 800-273-TALK. The Lifeline isn't just for life-threatening situations. It's free and confidential support for anyone who needs it at any time for any reason. Just know you're not alone. Tam and I wouldn't be doing this podcast if we hadn't been there too. Take care.